Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Portia Y. Clare. Portia has been privileged to serve in developing the minds and character of children for over 30 years. A graduate of Duke University and Regent University, she maintains her love of learning and earnestly desires to empower the children who have been entrusted to her care. Simply put, Portia teaches because she values children. Her love of children and family compel her to write stories that will help them recognize their importance, appreciate their value, and navigate through difficult life experiences. Creative writing has always brought her joy, and writing children's books has been her passion since childhood. Portia is the only child of the late Randolph George Clare Jr. and Jane Easterling Clare. She was born in Bennettville, South Carolina, and raised in Nassau, Bahamas. Her family relocated to Bennettville, South Carolina in 2015, where she and her mother currently reside. For more information about her books, school business, presentations, and activities, please visit Portia's website at PortiaYClaire.com. Welcome to the podcast, Portia. Thank you so much, Dana. I'm excited to be with you today. Well, we'll start off with the question I ask everybody. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Well, I absolutely, in my 30 years, have been in the trenches several times, but something that stands out um, happened, I guess, most recently when we relocated um, to where we are now. Mm -hmm. Um, I was teaching a grade level that I am accustomed to teaching, but I was teaching children who lived in a different area. I was used to an urban setting and I moved to a rural setting. Okay. And I experienced some changes with behavior in my students that I had not experienced prior to my time here. Um, And the adjustment that I needed to make was rather swift. I recognized that my conversation still mattered because Mm -hmm. relationships always matter when you're in a classroom. Um, But I had to make some adjustments with how I went about teaching um, and how I went about reaching the children who were in my care and their parents. Um, It matters how we talk to people Mm -hmm. and we need to speak to people in a way that they understand. And so each day that I went into the classroom, I made an effort to really listen to my students and understand what it was that was important to them, where they were. Um, at the beginning of the year, um, and I made every effort to begin teaching them where they were and moving forward from there. So that adjustment for me was significant, um, Mm -hmm. but I believe that it was successful because I took the time to listen to the children, um, to watch their behaviors and to see what was important to them and to their families. I think every parent sends their best child to school every day And I believe that every parent wants their children to learn and to do well. Um, So Mm -hmm. those constants remain regardless of your location. Um, But knowing how to communicate to your audience makes all the difference in the world. And I think the children and I benefited because of that time that we took to get to know one another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a common uh, struggle with teachers when they're changing either uh, buildings, uh, settings from like urban to rural. Um, social demographic settings and schools. 
um, size of schools, any type of situation like that. I think, like you said, the most important thing is getting to know <laughs> where yes. kids come from and listening to them. So that's right. And you know what else you I've found over the years, really, a seven-year-old is a seven-year-old is mm-hmm. a seven-year-old. A five-year-old is a five-year-old is a five-year-old. <laughs> Everybody responds to love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about some uh, some of your writing. So you had your first book published in um, on December 8th, uh, last December, 2021. Um, and talk about um, your book. And it's uh, you said it's semi-autobiographical. So Indeed tell us- it is. Tell us about it. I'd be more than happy to. The title of my children's book is Best Friends Forever, A Puppy's Tale. Mm -hmm. And the main characters in the story are Scoopy and her puppy, Sandy. I am Mm -hmm. Scoopy. And Sandy was actually my puppy, my pet Mm -hmm. dachshund. She was a present, a birthday gift to me on my fourth birthday from my parents. Mm -hmm. And the story walks the reader through our lifetime together. Sandy was the sister that Scoopy always wanted, but she never got. So they were inseparable. They became best friends immediately. They did everything together. They slept together. They ate together. They played together. They explored together. Um, And so that friendship developed over time. And then several years later, um, my father was transferred to the Bahamas because, I mean, to the United States from the Bahamas because Mm -hmm. of his job. And so we flew Uh, to Washington, D.C. And Sandy was um, not allowed to ride with us in the plane. She had to ride in the luggage compartment. When we arrived in Washington, D.C., it was very evident that Sandy had become ill Mm -hmm. during that flight. So going to the veterinarian, we found that she developed epilepsy. Mm. And through that process of um, her sickness and her illness, a different kind of relationship developed between Scoopy and Sandy. There was still love there, but Mm -hmm. we had to care for um, Sandy in ways that were different because Mm -hmm. of her illness. And as time passed, uh, the years passed, Sandy had seizures off and on, um, Mm -hmm. but she was still able to play with Scoopy like they normally did. And then eventually um, one summer, um, when we had a family gathering at my grandmother's home, Uh, Scoopy was able to uh, have Sandy with her. Mm -hmm. Everybody traveled together. Um, Sandy began to have a seizure Mm -hmm. and she consistently had seizures. And Scoopy had a conversation with her daddy about that because she was very concerned that Sandy was not going to do well this time like she had Mm -hmm. done previously. And daddy explained Um, as a reminder that the veterinarian shared, if that continued the seizures back to back, Mm -hmm. then um, Sandy would not be well. And the next morning, uh, Sandy had actually passed away Mm -hmm. and Scoopy and her family buried Sandy in grandmommy's backyard. And the grieving process of losing her um, was difficult, but Mm -hmm. Scoopy had her parents to help her through that. And then Mm -hmm. Several years passed and Scoopy realized that she needed to have a conversation with Sandy because Mm -hmm. she missed Sandy and she missed that relationship and she wanted it again. And she felt she needed Sandy's permission to get another puppy. So she had that conversation with Sandy and Scoopy felt that Sandy really did understand. And after that conversation, she asked her dad 
um, and she was 10 at this mm-hmm. point, 10 years old, if she could, and her mom, if she could get another puppy. And of course her parents said yes. And Scoopy chose to get a boy this time mm-hmm. and a different breed of dog. She got a miniature Schnauzer mm-hmm. and that relationship developed. And she realized that, you know, though it was different, the relationship was absolutely the same. It still was another beautiful friendship. And so my objective in writing it was to help children really through the process of grief and loss Mm -hmm. through a pet. Oftentimes my students have had pets over Mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. And so they can relate to having something that they love and that they have to care for. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this book is a resource of care for parents that can help children through grief and loss, not only of pets, Mm -hmm. but I believe also for people. Um, It Mm -hmm. is a way to bridge that conversation that I think would be easier for parents and children to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a timely um, book because, you know, there are a lot of children who have lost family members in the past couple of years due to COVID and, you know, there's always, you know, illnesses otherwise, or accidents or, you know, uh, pets that um, end up passing and, um, but you've, you've been teaching already for 30 years. So um, was this a writing in process? And and then you just decided to get it published? Or was it just, um, you know, now was the time to write this story? Well, I tell you, I was inspired in two ways. The first um, inspiration came from my father. Mm -hmm. Um, And one afternoon, my father said to me, matter of factly, Scoop, he called me Scoop. He said, you've been talking about writing children's books for a while now. Mm -hmm. Have you begun to write anything? And I said, well, daddy, I have thoughts in my mind. I have different books in my head, but I haven't put anything on paper yet. And he looked at me and he said, Scoop, do it now. Mm -hmm. Now is the acceptable time. (laughs) Today is the day of salvation. So that kind of inspired me to write. Um, And then my father passed away in June of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what better way to acknowledge him and to recognize him and to celebrate him than to do something that he asked me to do. And Mm -hmm. so I began to write this story. And I thought it was appropriate because of COVID to start with this particular story. Um, Several of my students have had family members who did pass away because of COVID. And some of them have had pets who have been ill that have passed away as well. So they could relate directly to the story. And I thought if it would be helpful for them, it certainly would be helpful for other children across the country. And I dare say around the world. Mm-hmm. So that was my, those two things were my inspiration for writing this particular book. Mm-hmm. And definitely honoring your, your dad's wishes. And yes. he was right. Like now's, now's the best time. You can't keep putting it off, right? Indeed. You had a book inside of you. Let's get it out there. Indeed. Um, Indeed. What's also a uh, important reason to share the tools you you talked to me a little bit in the pre-chat about uh, tools of resor- resources, for helping um, kids uh, work through grief. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Yes. Well, I um, a couple of things have come to mind. What is it that could possibly help children 
who have lost their pets. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that came to mind is that we could make something called a memory box. Mm -hmm. And what I did was to go to the store, maybe a Walmart or some local store Mm -hmm. and get a plastic shoe box. This is one option. You could also get a very decorative box that's covered with cloth and all kinds of things, but something simple that a family could do together Mm -hmm. is get a plastic shoe box and then take that box and decorate it with all kinds of um, patterns and shapes. They might have glitter on them. They may be Mm -hmm. shaped like hearts or stars or flowers. You can also get lettering and put the name of your pet on the top of that box. And that's what I did for Sandy. Mm -hmm. I decorated and her name with glitter and little colorful beads all over the box. And then inside that memory box, you would have things that were near and dear to you that reminded you of your pet. Mm -hmm. For example, you might have pictures that you Mm -hmm. have taken with your pet as I have inside. I have a picture, several pictures of Sandy and me. I have pictures of Sandy with my dad. I have toys that I played with with Sandy. I have a leash that Sandy had. Um, I have a collar that she had and, so, and a little bit of, I mean, it's been years for me now, but if you're using things on your pet that are fragrances or things that remind you of the aroma of your pet, mm-hmm. they may still be on these things that you are okay. keeping in this memory box, but it's an opportunity for children to go through that box, whether it be with a parent or a sibling or by Mm -hmm. themselves and reflect and think of all of the good times that they had with their pet. It's an opportunity for parents to talk with children about that pet because talking about grief is not easy for children. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't want to have a conversation yet and Mm -hmm. they want to have that time alone with those things that their pet um, used to wear or used to have or pictures with them and their pets. So this treasure box or memory box is a way to help children to grieve and help them to talk about their feelings about their grief. So that's one thing that I thought about. The other thing was that over time, parents may introduce their children to an opportunity to visit a shelter Mm -hmm. because in the shelter, they might be able to help to care for other pets. Mm -hmm. And eventually they may determine that they want another pet and may be able to purchase or get one of the pets from the shelter for which they have been caring. Mm -hmm. So that's something that exposes them to pets again, but it doesn't force ownership on them just yet Mm -hmm. because they may not want to establish that kind of relationship, but they still may want to in some way be helpful and work with pets. Um, and then having conversations with your child's teacher, mm-hmm. I think would be essential because teachers benefit from knowing if something has changed at home. And if a child has lost a pet or even a family member, that might help to explain the behavior that we see in class that may be different than we're accustomed mm-hmm. to seeing. And that conversation that the child needs to have might be easier to have with the teacher um, because the teacher is a little bit more distant from the home environment and maybe Mm -hmm. the child will be more comfortable with it. And maybe the, you know, sometimes parents 
are a little bit more intense <laughs> with their conversations mm-hmm. because they're so close to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but a teacher who is a little bit more distant from it will give the child an opportunity to speak and not be guarded mm-hmm. with how they are sharing. They can just speak from their hearts freely um, and not be concerned about, am I hurting mommy? Am I hurting daddy? Is it going to be okay if I say this to them? Might be easier with the teacher. So having that conversation among the children, the parents, and the teachers mm-hmm. that shares that this child is going through something because her pet or his pet died or a family member passed away, I think is beneficial. It just gives the child another opportunity to share um, when he or she is ready to have that conversation. So mm-hmm. I think those three things would be helpful when a parent or a teacher or any adult in the child's life is helping that child through grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those are great tools because, um, you know, I can think back to having um, cats while I was growing up and one yeah. of them lived, um, you know, into my adulthood, but yeah, you know, even adults, like you said, like you made this box uh, for Sandy as an adult, right? So it's a, it's a tool both um, kids and adults can make, but a lot of the time, you know, they, sometimes the pet will pass or you take the pet to the vet to be put down and, you know, you don't, you don't really have that closure, right? It's yeah. having that place where you can go and reminisce, you know, the collar, uh, something that has a scent, maybe a toy or a, um, yes. you know, a leash. Sure I think that, those are yeah. great things. Right. And, and, and everybody has, you know, grief, uh, one, one time Absolutely. or another in their life. So Absolutely. thanks for sharing these tools. Um, what's You're your message? Yeah. What's your message of encouragement and support for families who may have lost a beloved family member or pet? Well, I would say to you that I do understand how you feel. Um, and that grief is, different for every person. Mm -hmm. Um, Your grief will last as long as you need it to. Mm -hmm. Um, There are times when people are rushing another person through grief or wanting them to communicate or talk about an instance of loss before a person is ready. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would share with you that in time, when you're ready to have that conversation or your child is ready to have that conversation with you, I think it will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You can pose questions and ask if they want to talk about it or if they would like to visit a pet store or if they would like to have another pet. But let that child come Mm -hmm. to you when he or she is ready to have that conversation. Um, Don't force it but trust that it will happen when it is supposed to. Um, And there are, there's so many, so many different things that can be done to help, but remember that there is a community of people who are are surrounding you, whether it be other family members, whether it be your child's teachers Mm -hmm. or others who are in a school building who will be able to work with you and build a community around your child to help him or her through that grief and that loss. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes tears will come immediately. Sometimes anger will come first. Sometimes acting out of character will come first. Mm-hmm. But having that community to surround your child um, will help. And, and know that when you reach out to people, 
that someone will be ready to help you with that process that the parent may be sad about the loss of a pet as well Mm -hmm. and not know how to communicate that with the teacher. Um, So, and hopefully as teachers, we're making parents feel welcome to have conversations with us about things that are happening in their homes. Um, That would be my goal for every parent who is a part of my classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So know that in time, it will get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually your child will have conversations and you'll begin to smile again when you talk of your your lost pet or your lost loved one, you'll begin to remember the things that make you smile and not focus on the things that make you sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so great to remember and you know, providing that space as an educator uh, for the child to share when they're ready, right? It's, it's yes. about like giving them the time because they might be out of source, they might um, display negative behaviors as a way yes. of dealing with their grief. That's so, right. And uh, they need an opportunity to, to remember mm-hmm. um, and to share their memories. There may be times when they just want to talk about their pet mm-hmm. or a person. And we need to make space for that. You know, there are mm-hmm. times when you're teaching and you're trying to get your pacing guide done and all the rest of those things, but relationships matter. They are priority. And sometimes you have to change what you have scheduled for the day. You have to be uh, flexible and you have to adjust because we're concerned about the heart of a child and we want to make sure that they are well. If, if they're well there, then later they'll be willing to listen to the academics, but we need to make sure that they're well first. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the process of rating because um, you know, I'm talking to several uh, authors of books for educators that are more adult reads, not so many um, children's books authors for the podcast. So how, how is that kind of that process when you are writing a children's book? And also, um, how do you work with an illustrator? Wow. Well, for me, I think initially I began to just write my memories Um, Mm -hmm. because I needed to capture what it was that I wanted to share. Mm -hmm. And then after I had the memories down, I wanted to to form a dialogue um, of sorts throughout the book so that people could see a sequence or an Mm -hmm. order. Mm -hmm. This was the beginning and that was the end. Once I had my thoughts on paper, uh, there was someone who was able to help me with editing Mm -hmm. and making sure that I was saying what needed to be said without using so many different words. I think what I learned is that the illustrations of a book are just as important as the words. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you can use those illustrations to share the mm-hmm. words that you were trying to write. So they can pair well um, and you don't have to take a lot of words to share your thoughts because the illustrations will take care of the rest. So I think illustrations are essential, particularly with children's books. Mm -hmm. Um, They play a significant part. And I believe in my book, my illustrator, Miss Lisa Alderson, did a phenomenal job of sharing uh, my heart. The emotions Mm -hmm. were seen on the faces of the characters. I believe that the person who helped me with editing allowed me to make sure that the emotions that weren't seen for every particular thing mm-hmm. were expressed within the words. So there was a very good balance 
of mm-hmm. both the written word and the illustrations for the book. Um, and it takes a team to do that. It's not something that I was able to do on my own. I started. And as I worked with these people, they began to help me to really bring to life what it was that I wanted to share. And, and each edit allowed the book to become better and better and better. And for mm-hmm. that, I am eternally grateful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you do virtual readings for schools? I have, and it has been my privilege to do so. I've enjoyed it the times that I've done it. And I look forward to doing more in the future. I think the children were engaged. They were excited. Um, And I've also read um, in person Mm -hmm. at my school. I've gone to different classrooms within my school building Mm -hmm. um, to read the book to the children. And they enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the questions that they had and the conversation that we had surrounding the story to see their reactions to the pages and how the book was being read. They, they became immersed. And that's what you want as a teacher. You want Mm -hmm. the children to enjoy it and become a part of it and make connections to it. And many of them did. And that, that, that helped me to know that this resource of care was written at the right time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it is helping. And, And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, your writing process, um, some of uh, the tools people can use uh, when they've lost a loved one or a pet, and all about your book. Out of everything we've talked about, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? Well, um, I want listeners to remember that every person is valuable. Mm -hmm. And that we need to help children, especially, to recognize their quality to appreciate their value Mm -hmm. um, and to navigate through challenging life experiences. There's so many things that have occurred since COVID. COVID really changed how we function Mm -hmm. um, and it makes us think differently about how you move forward. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to realize that everybody responds to love Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that you do with the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have, make sure that you're using them to help, to serve. It's a wonderful thing to be able to help someone else. Um, and so think about using what it is that you're gifted with mm-hmm. to help other people. And please be mindful of children, how you speak to them, mm-hmm. what you do for them, and make efforts to help them um, however you can, because they are the future. And they need to be taught uh, so many wonderful values. And we have so much good to give to them. So let's concentrate on giving good to them, whether it be through writing, whether it be through teaching, whether it be through art, whether it be through music, whatever Mm -hmm. your talent, um, share the best of it um, and make efforts to share it with children whenever you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so important. Whether you're in the classroom working with kids and other um, functions or as a parent. Absolutely. Um, where can people connect with you and find you online and uh, buy your book? Okay. Well, I am on Facebook and Instagram. Um, on Facebook, you can find me at Portia Y. Claire. On Instagram, you can find me at Portia Y. Claire. And you can also connect with me or purchase an autographed copy of my book on my website, which is PortiaYClaire.com.
Great, great. I'll make sure to include all that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. It was a pleasure talking with you and learning about your book and the writing process. Thank you, Dana. I have enjoyed every moment with you. You have been a pleasure to speak with. Check out the show notes on danagoodyear.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-2Z. Again, A-M-Z-N dot T-O slash 3B7-H-X-2Z. Thank you.